Hello, welcome to the second episode of the JT Health podcast, formerly known as the Health First podcast, until somebody kindly stole the name of my uh, show. So that's life. That's the way it goes. I'm not going to cry about it. But from now on, this podcast will be the JT Health podcast, which sounds pretty great to me. In this episode, I'm joined by my good friends, Andy and Tom, who are wonderful coaches within this industry. We reached out to all of our clients to gather questions on all things nutrition, mindset and lifestyle. The only rule is that we were not allowed to answer our own clients' questions. So this sparked up some really interesting conversation, sparked up some good debate, and I really think you're going to benefit from this episode. So without further ado, the second episode of the JT Health Podcast, I hope you enjoy it. Okay, we're on. So there is now three of us. I've done a fancy little edit. And And it's in person live on camera as well. First time. Yeah, so basically, this is my first podcast that's been recorded, and like on actual camera as well, so Tom brought his camera, so not only are you going to hear our voices, but you have the option of looking at our faces too, which you'll also see that we've got drinks with us. They are pretty much non-alcoholic, so you know, sort of fitness. Yeah, don't unfollow us. I've heard um, that before, actually. What? People seeing their PTs on nights out and being like, right, I'm going to cut it off. Yep. And follow. Yeah, you're not allowed to have a life if you're a PT. Yeah. I'd have no plans. <laughs> <laughs> so the point of this podcast, right, is so, answering our clients' questions, but we're not answering them yet. Yeah, so you're yeah. not allowed to. Right, I'll choose. I'll get one of my client questions up first. I'm not allowed to answer it. You two have to answer. Yeah. Because um, I guess they're hearing our answers all the time, so it'd be good to get a little bit of a different It's the same perspective. Yeah, on yeah. Um, this right. is when you say something completely opposite now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've lied to me. I don't need to worry about protein. Um, right, okay. I'm not going to say which one of you two to answer it. Basically, I am quite strong on journaling with my clients. So, Sarah has asked, I'm keen to find out more about journaling and interested to know if it's been a positive benefit to them both or have they mixed, feeling about, mixed feelings about it or is it something that they don't do? So basically, your thoughts yeah. on journaling, if you've ever used journaling, or maybe, I know she's not asked it, but any other mindset stuff that you've yeah. used? Um, yeah, I'll go first. So I've never actually journaled, to be fair, until we come here this time. So I bought a book, and every day, or every other day, I've written down basically what we've done on that day. Um, I know a lot of journalists usually like gratitude and affirmations and things you're grateful for, but just been putting what we've been doing if we've gone surfing i just put today we went surfing i was here or something like that and the point of my journaling book is to look back in 10 years and just see what we've done when being away um but yeah i would like to get to the point where i'm writing stuff down because from what you've said and what you're introducing to your clients it would work for like mindset shift and stuff like that but yeah that's my sort of story i don't think it's bad to not do it in a specific way neither do you know what i mean like i have a a, a sort of way in my clients i give them prompts to a certain extent because of their goals but i think just writing and getting what's in your head even if it is just your experiences yeah it's the entire point isn't it yeah just get on a bit of paper and like i said the point of mine is to look back in 10 20 years and just have a laugh about it really yeah um but yeah what about you yeah i've journaled before probably in a more structured fashion so 
I don't know if either of you guys have had like the high performance planner or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. That Phil kind of. Uh, yeah, Phil yeah, Graham's I've, got I've one. It, but I never actually got around to it. Yeah. Well. There's a good introduction to it as well. Yeah, so in the morning, it will ask you, like, um, what's your intention for the day? How can you make it a success? And in a way, that is, you know, it's kind of having you map out and think about your day, what's going to make it good, what could get in the way. Um, yeah. And then there's one in the evening as well, you know, what three things that you're grateful for yeah. today, gratitude, yeah. that type of thing. So I have. I've never thought of it as journaling. I don't know why. Um, I've never just got out a pen and paper and just started to write with no prompts. And, but I see the benefit for sure. Um, and I've got clients who do. I think it can be a really good way of um, just digging a bit deeper. You can even explore your own thoughts in more detail mm-hmm. and, and come at it from a different angle. And when you look back on it, you could correlate things like oh you know what i felt a bit like this on this day and i've wrote this down yeah this could be the reason and i think um it can be really really useful and it's something that i definitely recommend to my clients having seen how many people have benefited from it yeah it's spotting patterns with it in it that's what it can help i think it's similar to like what you've been doing recently with meditation but just jotting it down because yeah i've never done it but the point of meditation right is to explore what you're thinking about mm-hmm. without all the rush going on so if you're getting on a bit of paper you can look back on it and see like the benefits of that day or what you're thinking about that day um yeah without the rush yeah i think like you can also draw a line under your day you know it can be something what some people like to start their day with it as soon as they wake up what am i thinking and feeling straight away some people like to end their day with it um you know and really be like right get all everything i'm feeling out now and then I can sleep and wake up fresh, mm. having wrote down everything I'm thinking and feeling from that day. Yeah. So I think there's so many different ways of doing it. I think I would just mess around with what works for you, what the timing of it, would you prefer it prompted? Would you prefer just an empty notepad in front of you? And just, it? Some, work, some days you might write a couple of words, some days you might write pages, mm, yeah. and it doesn't have to be structured at yeah. all. Um, yeah, I think it's important to explore on it, but touching on meditation, something that I think can do a very similar job, something that I've been doing out here a little bit, um, it's just focusing on breathing and taking your mind out of everything going on outside of that moment, focusing on the breath, trying to be present because if you are, uh, linked and, uh, grounded in the present you can't really be worrying about something that hasn't happened yet in the future mm. or be feeling angry or guilty about something that's already happened yeah you're right there in the moment you can tell he's in a class today can't you yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, he's taking he's everything. not meditating <laughs> through the podcast you're just taking everything he's yeah. just yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm growing dreadlocks <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah but yeah basically the point of that is Obviously, you give them prompts, yeah, to, to go off something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like you said, I think there's different ways of doing it. And whatever works for you and just getting your thoughts down on a bit of paper can obviously massively help. I think both yeah. encourage exploring your mind deeper. And that can never be a bad thing. Uh, unpacking it and seeing things from different perspectives, um, I think it's only going to be beneficial we say it how many times do we have the conversation we're training nutrition although on paper that's what you focus on but 
your headspace has to if you don't put your headspace first mm. there's no not no point in focusing on yeah. training nutrition but it's always going to be the thing pulling back sorry i know this is my client's question but yeah. i'm passionate about mindset <laughs> it's just it's getting a focus on that and an underlying some level of control on that to then yeah yeah. yeah, anybody can stick to a really rigid diet plan, lose a load of weight, but if you're a bag of cats up here, at the end of that, <laughs> never heard that, that before. You've made that, that today somebody's, as well. somebody's heard that. Um, <laughs> if you're a bag of cats up here, then there's always going to be these underlying thought processes that take you back to where you were, mindset and folk really working on it and breaking down behaviors that have been ingrained in you that maybe you're not even conscious of yeah. it's so crucial to yeah. losing weight and most importantly um keeping it off and and really just working on your relationship with yourself yeah it's just sorting like what's going on from here up before you go neck down yeah, yeah 100 yeah thank god we agreed on the first question i'm safe right what do you want to do james you go yeah i've got a question it. for you guys is it normal to beat myself up, beat myself up after making certain food choices. This is you all over. You can go. <laughs> I did think this wow. was this was prepped for you. Um, the wording of the question: Is it normal? Yes. Is it okay? No. Um, what was the second part of the question? For be for making certain food choices. Is it normal to beat choices? myself up after making certain food choices? I think you need to explore why a certain food choice would make you feel a certain way. And we almost want to go the opposite way with it. If, if a food is making you feel a certain way, you want to almost meet it head on and go and address it and include the food in your diet. Um, normal, it's normal because of what you've probably been exposed to in the yeah. past. It's normal because you're experiencing what your thoughts and views of a certain type of food, like let's just use an example like chocolate ice cream or the standard sort of mm. stuff it's because you're linking that and you probably somewhere in your brain are seeing that as a bad food and it's maybe been something that's triggered a diet not going right. But the reason that the diet hasn't gone right in the first place is more likely the fact that you've tried to do it without that food included whatsoever, yeah. um, which is why these negative thoughts are coming in. So it's more about controlling your diet to include these things as opposed to not doing. And then those feelings will become more and more or just not there. Yeah. It wouldn't be normal. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I think yeah. it's common, but it shouldn't be normal. Yeah. Yeah. But I think like very common, yeah. annoyingly. Very common. Um, I'm not the person who's exposed to it, sorry. So I think we're all exposed to it, obviously. I don't know about you two, but before you went into the whole like learning about nutrition and stuff, you did think foods were good and bad. Like you would think like, okay, McDonald's pizza is junk food. And I think everyone goes through the stages of being exposed to that and before you start learning you have no idea that you can include that into your diet and understanding calories obviously matter um and you can include it into, into your diet like i said um but yeah i think we're all exposed to it before we learn about it and that's why when clients come on board and they start learning they then start to get that light bulb moment and start understanding why for so many years they felt guilty eating that food, if that makes sense. You've got to understand there's more than one reason why we eat. And you might have a fat loss goal or a weight loss goal, but that isn't the only reason you're going to eat a certain type of food. Like 
for me, I don't eat chocolate because I'm expecting it to fulfill me after training or for it to help me recover muscles. Mm. I eat chocolate because I like the chocolate bar, I enjoy the taste, and that's the reason for eating. Mm. Whereas when you've been exposed to dieting for so long, the reason that you're eating is, or the reason you're telling yourself you're eating is always something around weight loss. And that's something I'd explore to the person who ever's asked the question. If you're noticing that you have that feeling around food, why are you eating? Are you only ever eating because of something to do with the diet? Do you preempt food choices with sentences like, oh, I need to eat this because I'm being good, or I can't eat that because I'm on a diet? You need to understand the different reasons in the first place why we eat, because then you'll realize that those sort of foods, like say Christmas dinner is a massively positive meal, although it's actually perfectly nutritionally balanced. Yeah. Um, but you might choose certain food choices, not because of your diet, but because it's a social occasion. You might have a certain family meal, like I love a lasagna on my birthday. Is it the most nutritious and calorie ideal meal? No, but I'm making that food choice out of enjoyment and preference, not because of my diet. Yeah, yeah. I think having that, being able to slow it down and have that conversation with yourself, like um, if it is something that's going to maybe take you over your calories or that, you know, you've associated as being bad in the past take ownership like be conscious of making the decision as long as you're completely aware and you go right i'm eating this for taste it might take me over my calories that's fine i completely accept that decision then there should never really be much guilt following that decision i think it makes dieting a bit easier when you can include it and when people start to learn and they start to include it into their diet it makes the whole situation even better because they're not feeling that guilt of slipping up on mm-hmm. like what some people would have a cheat day on the weekend or um you know you know what it is like i think you've nailed it to be fair with the answer to that one uh, also sorry really i like these questions potentially you need to not be dieting if you're struggling with food choices to that extent you need to actually build your relationship with food and understand again the reasons that we eat and the stuff that we just talked about before entering a fat loss phase mm-hmm. yeah. um, because like let's not beat around the bush the foods that we that i assume that they're talking about are pretty difficult to fit into a fat loss diet so mm-hmm. maybe you need to focus on your relationship with the food then when it's a good relationship then go back then, into yeah. managing your calories more effectively and i think this could maybe if i could link this to the first question journaling nice <laughs> <laughs> journaling could be exactly what you need because there's some negative relationship with foods um, that's potentially deeply ingrained. For you to put that out on a page and, and dig a little deep, maybe journaling could be the perfect um, response to having yeah. thoughts like that. Yeah. yeah, so there we go. Whoever's done that question, you need to start journaling. Start journaling. <laughs> right. right, people who are listening, we the just had a little lighting issue. So we're not going to edit this. Tom is the camera. It's connected to your laptop, isn't it? I mean, so I think the camera's still on. It's just a light, maybe. While we're on the interim, whose next question is it? I think Tom's next question. Oh, and the lighting is back on. We see you. Um, go for it, mate. Right. We hear a lot about having enough protein after a workout, but what about carbs? For example, is that is there a certain amount we should be aiming for to replenish? The glucose in our muscles. Oh, right, that's quite a technical. Right. 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 I was going to say, you two would be happy with this. So, yeah. um, first of all, I think it massively depends on the phase that you're in and the calories that you're on. So, the priority 
post-workout should always be protein first and foremost to make sure that you're not using any of your muscle as fuel. Um, There's good studies to show that protein on its own is is more than enough to Mm -hmm. kind of kickstart the recovery process and make sure that you're in a good position to be retaining and potentially building muscle. If you are in a maintenance or gaining phase, then I would strongly recommend having some carbohydrates alongside it um, because you've got the calories there to do so. This is just going to help with recovery. It's going to help just um, replenish any glycogen you might have used during a workout. Um, So I think 100% if you have the calories there, depending on what time of day you're training as well, I guess, um, then carbohydrates are definitely a good option to have but they're not a necessity i would make sure you're just getting a good chunk 20 to 30 grams of protein within 60 to 90 minutes maybe of yeah. training to be to try to be optimal but um yeah anything to add no really, really. <laughs> like say it's if the calories are there and you're looking for that i don't know if shock i'm going to mention uh, atomic habits where it mentions yeah. about the one percent then yes do it but equally I wouldn't overstress it. Like, say for instance, you train first thing in the morning, um, and you have protein after a workout, and your next training session is the following day, similar sort of time, and you don't have carbohydrates until later on in the day. Say until you eat your dinner at whatever one, two o'clock. Then you're having carbohydrates. You're going to be replenishing glycogen before your next training session. So, if you've got the calories to do it in a muscle gain phase, yes, cool. Fat loss phase, and you want to sort of push them back a little bit. It's not gonna. You're not gonna lose out on results. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously, takeaways from that is focus on protein mainly. Yeah. If you can fit it into your calories, get some carbs in there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And preference. Yeah. Yeah, that's Keep it. Like, you might, if you are short on calories, you're probably better off saving the carbohydrates for when you're more social, like a more social yeah, meal, yeah. which tends to be the evening meal. So again, it comes down to time of training. But at the same time, it's preferences and, and I guess yeah. when you're hungry as well. Yeah. And that client that asked that is in a deficit, in a fat loss phase. So if you are listening, it would be the prioritizing your calories. Yeah. 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 Calories, protein. After that, if you can fit it in, get some carbs in. Yeah. I'm done. Cool. Right. Going right. around, that's the start. Next up. Sorry, you're all a bit more prepared than me. Some of us didn't write it with that. I know, yeah. <laughs> I like to be organised. Uh, okay, here we go. Um, oh, <laughs> right, two of these sort of tie in together. One of them James is going to laugh at because it's been a very strong talking point in this villa recently. Um, <laughs> that could be anything. It's not really weird. We're having deep, meaningful conversations. Um, right, okay. So I'm going to tie the two things in together. Thoughts on symmetrical sets in terms of all sets being three sets of eight and four sets of ten, you know what I mean? Like the same way, yeah. the same reps, the same sets. Um, and then sort of following from it, progressive overload, better to do more reps at a manageable weight or less reps at a heavier weight where form may drop off a bit. Thank you. And that was from Sarah. Yeah, nice Sarah. One pack, yeah I'll go. Um, I've seen you two post about the first one, so I'll let you talk about the first one. The second one that you're on about with progressive overload, um, I would always say the first thing to do, depending on where you're at though, with experience in the gym and training. Yeah, the person who has this is, she's a good trainer. Yeah. I would always say the first thing you would look to add is load. So weight to what you're doing. Um, 
if they were a beginner, for example, if there's beginners lift, like listening, I would always say increase the reps because then you can focus on good form and just getting more reps in because you're new to that exercise. If you are a little bit more experienced, more advanced, the first thing I would look to increase would be the load. And then from there, you can look to add more sets, more reps to increase the volume. Um, but when someone is pro like programming the sessions for you, the sets and reps are already there. Yeah. So you can look to increase the load yourself. Um, but yeah, pretty much that's what I would do with, with that. Cool. Don't know if you've got different thoughts on that. You the, might only say thing, the only thing just towards the end of the question um, was her wording specifically was less reps at a heavier weight where form might drop off a bit. Yeah. And if you are worried about that, I would go the other way. Try and increase the reps. Um, I think sometimes there's there's benefit to those ugly reps within reason where it's all out effort. I think there's a the lot to be gained. Yeah, yeah. If you are using muscles that you're not targeting to finish, then no. But if it's just a bit wobbly, if it's, I think there's a lot to be gained in those moments, mentality-wise and uh, like muscle gain-wise, if that's what you're looking to yeah. do. Um, well, in theory, it's those reps where the actual change happens, isn't it? Yes. It, and it, I, you're almost doing the start of the set to get to that yeah, point. Yeah, you need yeah. to get into a position to be there. It's difficult to find that point just before failure, and it, it's experience. Sometimes yeah. you might take a set too far and go, oof, that didn't look good at the end. I yeah. Write it down in your logbook, strip the weight, or don't go that far. You know, Write how many reps you did before you felt form breakdown, and then maybe just shoot for that next yeah. week. It's it's trial and error. I would I wouldn't put yourself in you know be lifting way heavier than you can manage, but there's got to be an element of intensity there where some of the reps are going to get a bit shaky. Um, sometimes they feel worse. Have you ever filmed a set of yourself and you're like, oh, that was not good, and then you look back and you go, yeah, that I know doesn't look yeah, that bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the you know a deadlift or something, deadlift. you're like, oh my back was like this, and then you watch it and you're like. That's, that's that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes when you're in it and you're so focused, you, you feel like you're bent out of shape, and it's not as bad as you think. It's it's there's a lot to unpack, but I think there's a lot to be said for intensity in a set. Yeah, um, I think as well with especially the compounds, people would get to a weight usually they're comfortable at and stay there because they know they're not going to fail it. For example, and they stay there each week for the same amount of sets, the same amount of reps, obviously nothing's going to change. If you start increasing the sets or reps, things would change, but you don't want to get to the point where you're doing three sets of 20. Because if you're never increasing the load mm -hmm. and you're always increasing the sets and reps, it is going to get to that point this where the higher the reps, symmetrical sets, this yeah. Yeah. the higher the reps get, the harder it is to know you're going to get close to failure. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you're lifting really light. Did they, what did they mention before? Um, high high weight lower reps would just it, it, the wording was exactly thoughts on symmetrical sets yeah and progressive overload better to do more reps at manageable weight or less reps at heavier weight there's also a place for more reps at a manageable weight as well i think there's a place for like back off sets so if you've done like a huge um working set stripping the weight back on the next set mm -hmm. and really dialing in on four time under tension there's a place for that as well. I think there's a place for both. Got a feeling she has back offsets. 
in her program mm -hmm. off the top of my head. I really like that method of training where, you know, you work up to a top working set. Um, you might do two, three of those sets and then you have a back off set where it's all form. It's yeah. less about, you know, uh, tanking yourself into the ground. Um, and I think, yeah, there's a place for both in a, in a good program. Um, symmetrical, symmetrical sets. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I actually, on my, I think it was my last podcast that I released as a Q&A. I covered them as well. Yeah. But, so I'm going to say nothing now. Over to you two. Yeah, I think... Um, do, you want, no, do you know what we mean? I yeah. think we've just coined yeah. the term, haven't we? Yeah, so obviously Copyright. the usual method for training would be three sets of 10, yeah. four sets of 10, four sets of eight. And obviously you're going to include them, but you need to be including your other ones as well. Three sets of seven, four sets of five, and stuff like that, and mixing it up to make sure you can dive into a place that you wouldn't with your three sets of eight and three sets of 10. I program sometimes like three sets of five, five sets of five, mm -hmm. but you've got to have then, I would say three sets of eight, four sets of eight in there as well. Usually as a beginner, I would look to get them in. And then as they start getting more experience with that lift, then look to drop the, the reps so they can increase the weight. Um, but yeah, like you said, if, if you're going into your training program, there's all three sets of 10, it would get to the point where you're probably going to be lifting the same weight, same reps, same sets, and not really putting stress on your muscles after a period of time. So one thing I'll say is that I like to program ranged reps for my clients. So it'll be, yeah. um, it could be three sets of six to 10 reps. So, and then they'll usually try and go to the 10 still. <laughs> and I'll say, why are there no odd numbers in your logbook? You're always at 10. You can't be pushing yourself enough. I want to see sixes. I even want to see the odd five. My clients are going to feel so attacked listening to this. <laughs> Sorry if you're watching. I even want to see the odd five where you've overshot it. Because yeah. then I can see that the intensity there. If you constantly go into 10, then you, there's a fear there of pushing yourself beyond that. And a plan is a blueprint. It's not a strict, rigid... Mm. I don't mind if my clients uh, go way past so if i've put six to ten and you've got 13 take 13 mm -hmm. it's having that ability to to think on your own feet i'm feeling good here i can go past 10 i'm going to go past 10 yeah and there's an there's an 11 in there and there's a 12 in there but humans tend to deal with it's weird isn't it we do we'll do a set of five we'll do eight we'll do 10 12 not 13 or 14 but yeah. 15 is fine <laughs> then nothing until 20 we're <laughs> yeah. really no Some of my clients are like, I, I can't stop on a on an odd number. Yeah, well, I, I use the, I use the TV remote analogy. Nobody does it. Everyone watches hey, telly on, volume, on like a volume. On volume. Volume. No one's watching yeah. on a twenty-one. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, you can't blame them then. Too. Yeah, but, I, yeah, I do. I think <laughs> putting a too rigid of a number with people who uh, are inexperienced in the gym. Um, they always shoot for that number and if they don't get it, they feel like it's a failed yeah, set. Yeah. And I think it's just too, it's too narrow. I, I like to give range. So I might even do set one, six to 10 reps, set two, eight to 12 reps, set three, 12 to 15. And, I, and then they know to pull their weight back yeah, slightly. Yeah. And that kind of ties in with what I said before, where there's a time and a place for both. So the 12 to 15, they've pulled the weight back. The form's gonna be a bit better. Just six to ten is going to be, you know, 
um, high intensity, a lot, you know, I want them to be pushing towards that six. As soon as they hit a six or, you know, I want them to reach for seven the next week. Yeah. As soon as that weight gets to a nine or a 10, I want them to up the weight. And then there's a simple framework there for them to work with. Nice. Good answer. Um, cool. So this is a, quite a common one, actually, and one we'll have all dealt with. Um, so it's, I want to join slash go to the gym consistently. Do you have any advice for me? So first of all, it's like that that mountain of actually joining. So they're training then, at the minute. I don't think they're training at all. I think yeah. they've been dieting to, uh, to lose weight. They want to add exercise in to complement that. Yeah. Um, and then... Basically, I think the confidence to initially join a gym and then the second part is kind of how do I then make that consistent within my life? Yeah. Okay. Um, so the first thing obviously they're doing is good is they're dieting or moving more. So they've understood that. And now they... Oh, got watch, that gecko's about to eat a fly. <laughs> He's been eyeing it up. This is turning into a David Attenborough <laughs> documentary. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Where was I at? Look oh. what well, you've done here. <laughs> Sorry. It's getting really intense. He's it. Oh, he's done a runner as well. Oh. Um, well, yeah, where are we at? So she... He Welcome or she, back to Planet Earth. Yeah. <laughs> he or she is... It's good because they want to get into the gym. So they've got in that mindset already that they want to do something. They want to train. Um, they know the benefits of it. First things first, if they can, I'll get something done at home to start with. Um get a training program in place because you know having a coach not because we're all coaches i'm not going to drive it but you have your form checked you know exactly what you're doing i would get something done at home first and then when you feel confident going to the gym go into the gym do body weight stuff um i have some people going into the gym to grab a dumbbell and go in the corner just because they can be in the gym then and do what they would do from home but just because they're there it's a different environment they can get used to it and now they're actually exploring the gym a little bit more um i think it is perceived to be scarier than it is um, when you get in there and you start to understand that there's going to be trainers around you can get inductions classes is a good one as well um just getting in and just putting time in there and once you've done that for a while you you will start feeling more comfortable in there um yeah what do you think um i'll push it more go on get a coach or a pt to help you straight down the camera. I was sitting, <laughs> on, I was sitting on the fence. Get a coach. <laughs> that ginger guy. That ginger guy. Um, no, seriously though. Um, yeah. If you need to learn to drive, you get a driving instructor. If you need to learn to play the piano, you get piano lessons or maybe learn it for free. Um, YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> yeah, clearly don't, don't go on YouTube for things like that. Yeah, no, that was, that was a bad example to give you. But um, get a coach or a PT would be my very first advice. You will build the confidence you like if you get a good one it's free so i've done this podcast um they will program at your level they will look over what you're doing equally if you didn't want somebody online go into your local gym most gyms on the wall have a, a, a wall of did your gyms have this mm-hmm. yeah, they all the pts yeah. and they say what they're about and what they've come from and stuff like that i'm 99 sure that most gyms will also offer free pt sessions so just go and get a free session like you don't even have to sign up for coaching but go and work with a pt on your form trust me at the minute with covid and everything pt is cleaning a lot if you see a pt (laughs) cleaning i can guarantee they would much rather spend half an hour of you working on exercise yeah um yeah i can't stress it enough i just i would reach out to a professional whose job it is to help if again 
money is the issue and you can't do that one to three sessions that we talked about um and start simple not my program <laughs> <laughs> right that's, that's a shameless plug um, we're editing that you, you, you can stop now yeah. you will go into a gym and see people doing some utterly horrendous things you, you really don't need to there's nothing wrong with going into and saying picking six different machines and just performing three to four sets on those six different machines without me even knowing what those machines are i can guarantee that would be a pretty solid workout um and you can't go too wrong on fixed machines mm. it's possible but yeah you don't need i've <laughs> <laughs> seen a lap pulled down butchered yeah. um, but you can you can go in and use sort of resistance machines you don't need to do these overcomplicated workouts that you may see online which wouldn't be beneficial so either get a coach if not get into a gym get a free taster session and then after that stick to simple stuff it doesn't need to be complicated yeah yeah if i can touch on that i think because um he mentioned join and then go in the process of joining i would go make don't just join the first gym that you go to um shop around get a feel for the environment have a tour in more than one um find one that's convenient for you it might be close to work just so that you know on the days where maybe you are thinking uh would i rather you know you, you're gonna make it easy for you to go um i'm gonna plug someone else's gym i'm assuming because it was your follower that they're from manchester mm -hmm. but i had neil from pyramid performance in stockport on this podcast and i've only spoken to people who've said amazing things about his gym so yeah, he, Manchester. he is, yeah. So Pyramid, Pyramid Performance. Performance, there you go. What's that like? You're welcome, Neil, if you watch this. <laughs> like a boutique gym, like one-to-one. It's, one like, it's not just one-to-one, one. there's mm -hmm. membership yeah. as well. Oh, right. yeah. Let's not plug him too much. <laughs> let's, let's, let's keep the... <laughs> I've never actually been. And then I've just heard great things about it. With going to the gym, I think, again, it's a mindset thing. You're going to tell yourself that you might not belong there, that you're the only person that doesn't know what they're doing. All of those things are like limiting beliefs that aren't true. There's lots of people going through the motions in there that are, you know, thinking the same things as you. There's lots of people just focusing on themselves and won't even notice you're there in the nicest way possible. Um, so it's getting over that. And then I think putting putting yourself in the environment, like show up, you have to, to, you know, feel comfortable anywhere. We all have been in positions, whether it's a new job or going to school or, um, whatever it might be, joining a new sports team, you feel like an outsider at first. But with repetition, you get comfortable anywhere. Within a few weeks, you'll, you'll feel yeah. more confident. Then that's what I'm going to say to him about jujitsu next time. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, James is getting bottled. Play this back to me, yeah. and then get in there and, and have a focus. Like a coach would be great, of course. Having a plan that you can get stronger on, that you can feel the benefits of, is um, addictive. Yeah. Once you start seeing yeah. progress, the rewards of it, you're more likely to show up. So that would be yeah. what I would add on to that. Yeah. yeah. So in short, get yourself in there, get a coach, um, everything will be done for you, pretty much. Mm -hmm. You just got to do the work. Yeah, <laughs> just not the training bit. <laughs> yeah. Just make sure it's a good right, coach. Next one, right, this one's more based to you, Andy, because it was about one of your posts, but you probably have something to say about it as well. Um, so the pressure, whole point of it, um, the post about what you were told as a child about finishing your dinner, um, you can only have dessert if you finish your dinner. Um, yeah. Yeah, all of that. If you haven't seen it, go check out Andy's post about that and you'll get more 
Um, I'm going to insight on this question. Um, someone's put, would be interested to hear more about how to change this behavior when it's been modeled to us for years. Bloody like that. Camera's <laughs> just gone off. So how to change that behavior when so, it's something. Can I just have you explain what that post was fully about for anyone who... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry if people listening, the camera's just gone down. We're just sorting it. One moment. So it's still filming. It's still recording. <laughs> I hope so. Because I'm looking straight at it. The screen's flat. The camera's not recording. Wow, this is this is what you do when, you know... A bloody shambles. I do, record re- I do read your places. posts, Andy, I yeah, swear. Yeah, I, I, just want to, I want to know the finer details. So that I right, can... I'll explain the post while we're right, sorting the camera up. So basically, the post was about how your mum's a liar. <laughs> that was the clickbait. Um, it was about how we basically have in us sort of ingrained habits that come from eating. So a lot of our habits, not just around eating, but general like life habits, a lot of the things that we do are learned from parents and like uh, people around us when we're younger. And obviously a big part of our life is eating. And how many people, I'm sure you've done this yourself, have heard the phrase, you can't get up until you finish what's on your plate. You're not having afters until you finish on your plate, what's finished on your plate. And basically there's a, there's a little bit of authority placed around food. Now, I want to be really clear, I'm not giving advice on how to manage a child's nutrition here for anybody who's like, oh, so I shouldn't say that to my kid. No, no, no. Um, you need to speak to like a, a proper dietitian for children in that sort of sense, um, because somebody's messaged me about that this week. Anyway, that was a tangent. Um, but more specifically, the habit of eating past fullness. That's what I'm talking about. Eating when you no longer need to actually eat and you're just eating because the food is in front of you as opposed to you having hunger signals so the question was um how to get over that um, as, a, as a habit yes um to hear more about how to change this behavior when it's been moral to us for years okay cool first and foremost meal times remove all distraction um because it's going to be a very difficult thing to learn anyway and if you're eating meals whether it's in front of the telly or you sat at the desk where like, how many people are working from home at the moment and they're just sort of eating the lunch on the break yeah. while they're still at the laptop and you're not actually queuing in to, to what you're doing which is eating a meal so um in fact i just did on my call with clients on sunday about this um slow your meal down slow your meal down massively really small steps like put your knife and fork down in between a meal and i know this sounds like i'm being really like um what's the word simplifying yeah, eating yeah. a meal but Again, start to notice the fact that you probably don't do that. So put your knife and fork down while you're chewing your food. Actually chew and taste your food. Like, how quickly do do you see people eat meals? And don't get me wrong, like, nobody's perfect and you won't eat every meal mindfully. Um, But slow it down. Put your knife and fork down between you um, taking a bite. Chew your food. Have nothing around you when you're eating. Still, and I know this seems like quite exaggerated, but in between each meal... Uh, in between each bite, asking yourself in your head, am I still hungry here? Do I actually still want to continue with this meal? Um, I get a lot of my clients use a hunger scale. So like if you imagine zero being, I am starving, I want to eat everything in front of me, and 10 being that uncomfortably full feeling where you feel a bit sick because mm-hmm. you've overeaten. Um, if you can start to queue into that during meals, when you get to a seven or an eight, that's satisfied. You don't need any more. Um, yeah. Stop in there. If you've got sort of snacking habits which come at, Again, that can often be one where we're sort of just going into the fridge and opening it without actually knowing. Breathe. Like we talked about meditation, mindset stuff. Before making a decision around food, just take a few deep breaths. That'll take you less than 15 seconds. 
And you'll be amazed at the difference your thought processes around food when you do those things. So to get to the point, slow your meals down, asking yourself the question, are you still hungry? Put your knife and fork down, have no distractions around you. Um, Chew. Chew your food. Yeah. I've seen a study about that, actually. Did you follow Ben Carpenter? Yes. I think he found a study or done some research about chewing food and how it um, decreases hunger and decreases the amount you're eating per yeah. day just if you chew your food, um, yeah. which is something that we wouldn't really think about at all. But when, like you said, when you break things down and just sit there and enjoy the food and chew it, you probably will fill up quicker. Um, but yeah, you nailed that, I think. Do you have anything to add? No, I think you pretty much nailed it. The first thing is obviously to be aware of it. Change, all change comes from awareness. So you, you're already aware of the situation. And then it's just having a framework, like Andy said, slow it down. Um, if you de- if you do eat past fullness, like that is okay, you know, to eat yeah. past fullness, but it's to be aware. And like I mentioned earlier, to take ownership and to have a conversation with yourself. Like I understand that I'm eating past fullness, but I'm enjoying it, so yeah, I'm going so I'm, to continue. Yeah. There should be that um, inner dialogue where you you ask yourself, am I still enjoying this? If the answer is no, stop eating. If the yeah. answer is yes, continue with the awareness and the um, acceptance that you own that decision. And that's yeah. pretty much When I give these that. examples, um, nobody, not the most mindful person, not the Dalai Lama or whatever it is, He's called Dalai Lama, Dalai Lama. Oh, I the know. monks in the world. I meditate. <laughs> <laughs> not we, him. We learned that today. <laughs> but it, you, you're not going to do it with every single meal. Christmas dinner's coming up, right? If you've got half a pig in blanket yet left, and the orchard, do you have your orchard puddings on Christmas dinner? Yeah. yeah good. Yeah. Some people don't. Really. And a question, who's asked that? I know. <laughs> <laughs> if you've got one Yorkshire pudding left on your Christmas dinner and you're full, there's every chance you're going to say to yourself, I do love the Yorkshire pudding there. That's all right. It's normal. Ask me the great. Again, it's just making that conscious decision. Um, and like you said, it is ingrained on us from children about yeah. finishing your dinner. I don't. I can't remember the last time I left food on my plate. I'm reading a book at the moment um, called Intuitive Eating, and there's a lot of things in there that um, are maybe not completely accurate. So I'm not going to say this is gospel, but it, it explains how we're basically, as younger children, are better at regulating their appetite than adults are because they haven't been taught not to regulate or had it impacted by anything else. Um, again, not giving children's dietitian advice. That makes sense though because then the parent will come in and say you need to finish your dinner and yeah. that's where it comes from. And then you're exposed to sense. all sorts and around you. Yeah. And, cool. Yeah. It's an interesting subject, isn't it? Yeah. Do you weigh more? Um, oh, is it me? I have one more. Yeah. Um, this one's a fairly straightforward one. If I can find it. What are we whew, doing well here, lads? 40 minutes. Um, I did have a question, and it was. I know what it is off the top of my head, but I want to get the wording right. It's about recommendations for like books and podcasts around fitness. Oh, that'd be good. Um, yeah. So, yeah, favourite books, podcasts on training, mindset, or fitness. Let's go. Why don't you give free each? Free books, free podcasts. I need to remember what books were. In terms of podcasts, my favourite podcast by a mile is The Diary of the CEO. This is all mindset stuff. Um, he interviews a lot of um, high-end business owners, like the owner of Monzo, stuff like that. And they all talk about 
the ways in which money and success has affected them and how to deal with that. He also has a sleep specialist. Uh, he had a sex therapist. There's so many, it's really broad and there's so much value to take away from it. So if there was one podcast that I could recommend, it would be The Diary of a CEO. Um, books um, on fitness. I don't know really. James Smith's books are quite good. I think they... For a beginner, the first one. Yeah, I think they're yeah. a good entry level. Um, and they're quite science-backed, which is... Yeah, it covers most of the, the very common questions, really. Yeah. yeah, I would say if you're new to dieting or going to the gym, that would be a good one as a beginner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Atomic Habits is potentially my favourite book of all time. Um, Do you reckon there's a coach or a PT that doesn't push that book on people? Uh, it's just that good. <laughs> and I watched, uh, uh, sorry, I read uh, another one recently. I can't remember what it's called. It's by Katie Milkman. Uh, it's, but it's similar. Um, um, I think it's I called How to Change. Um, yes, it is. Yeah, and it was very good. Yeah. And it's all about uh, habits and behaviours and how to form new habits and break bad habits, which is basically yeah. what we do as coaches basically my one would be why we sleep matthew walker have you two read that yeah mm-hmm. yeah very good. you know i had to listen to that as an audio book until i sleep so. <laughs> <laughs> i had to read it um yeah that's when i push all the time to i do a lot of things about sleep and it's quite um like an important factor we focus on with my clients um so his book is really really good and the benefits of sleep around Fitness is included in there and just general health and life as well. He's also done a podcast with Joe Rogan. Any of you listen to that? Yeah, yeah. I have heard that. Best podcast I've ever listened yeah, to. Top. Um, again, backing it with studies and um, just really interesting. So I would recommend that one. It's, it's, it's such a good and interesting book. But one thing I have found, just to pre-warn people, is that when you get very sleep focused, you tend to get a little more anxious about sleep. And whilst you're reading about sleep all the time and, you know, if you're reading a book about sleep, you then start to think more when you go into sleep, which can actually mm-hmm. affect your sleep at the time. That's speaking from a, a couple of clients who have mentioned that, um, who have really enjoyed the book, but because they were so focused on it, there became an anxiety towards, how do I get a perfect night's sleep? Yeah. Um, so I think whilst you're reading it, that can be the case, but I think it's really beneficial to learn about how important sleep really is because I think people underestimate it. A real it. side note here, because I got asked this by a client today and I didn't have an answer. I said, I've just not researched it. I've only heard stories. CBD oil. Sleep. Have it. you read or had any experience of it? Um, I listened to a podcast and it was on there. Uh, my mum uses it. My, my nan uses it as well. Um, but I got some... I tried it, but I don't know if it's that like placebo effect where you're taking something and you think, right, that's definitely working because I've had a really good night's sleep. Did you sleep better with it? Yeah. If it is, is. placebos are powerful. Yeah, Yeah. placebo placebo is a thing, yeah. Yeah, eat your broccoli, it makes it super strong. (laughs) 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 But yeah, Um, yeah, I tried it. Again, I don't know if it worked. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about it in terms of like joint health. It's not going away. Which tells you there's something. Yeah. Did you see that guy that got um, arrested in Dubai? Yeah, for having a a vape. Yeah, in his car. Oh, is it CBD vape? Uh, CBD oil, I think. In a vape. In his his car. And it's got like a certain amount of year. I think I've seen today it's been reduced, but... Don't be doing that in Dubai. 
You don't need to do anything. No, your audience, yeah. Uh, it seems like there's good research coming out. I don't know enough, so I'm not going to touch on it too much, but um, it seems like it's not going away. And when things yeah, do yeah. that, they tend to have some kind of benefit that people are feeling to mm. keep taking it. Yeah, a lot of companies are selling it now as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you probably see on Instagram, a lot of people are like getting the whole ambassador thing by it. But then we, we, is it like the supplement industry because people are still mm. selling supplements that don't work yeah. but they know it makes money and they promise people a dream and then... Buy my BCAAs. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> yeah. <content. laughs> so the, the jury's still out in my opinion but I haven't done like bucket loads of research yeah. so um, yeah, I'm not going to speak out of turn yeah. on it. And then going so back to the question yeah. on podcasts, I don't really listen to like fitness-based podcasts. It's more... Simple. That, that one obviously yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah just more like educational ones and different topics obviously joe rogan yeah. guess he has on but we were speaking about that last night about how we don't know if all of it is facts and people like to just go on to get the get the fame and everything but again like i said about the matthew walker one when you listen to it and you take it in you start telling people you do believe it so it does have that placebo yeah. effect but the studies, obviously, if, if it's backed up by studies, then, yeah, but you never know, I guess. But, yeah. yeah. Do, I've done three now. Have you done three? Uh, I've got one two. left. Yeah, right, yeah so we've got two it. more left. Any tips on how I can easily increase my calorie consumption? So a bit of a different one, really, because we usually, well, we don't always work with yeah, uh, clients struggle struggling to lose weight, but there are also clients that are struggling to increase their calorie consumption as well. So yeah. easy tips to, to do that. Butter with everything. Butter <laughs> um, in when you look at the problems of trying to get less in, you look at things like butter, oil, high fat, high fat, yeah. basically. So I would look to try and add that in more the more you can. Like I said, butter, oil. Yeah. Um, and when you start to track and understand calories, you know what will give you a high calorie value for. For a little amount of food, and you yeah. can just start manipulating that and looking to increase that. Yeah, it's keeping it as similar to your current diet. What what you don't want to be seeing is to be able to increase your calories. Everything has to completely change. Like, although we make certain decisions around fat loss or even muscle gain and and creating surplus, the actual if you were to look at your diet at any point of that journey or whatever your calorie target is, the overall quality of it should be fairly similar. So it's keeping it. As familiar as possible, and then like Thomas just said, little changes. Start maybe cooking in a higher calorie oil instead of the chicken breast. Maybe have chicken thighs. Um, if you have a shake, maybe add some peanut butter to it. Um, liquids would be great for stuff like this mm-hmm. because again, you don't want to be trying to squeeze it in from an extra two hundred calories of broccoli because that would be a, an awful lot of broccoli, days, and your ass would be horrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, with that as well, I think a lot of people when they go into a phase where they want to gain muscle, they will go from, for example, 2,000 to 3,000. I think they need to jump into this huge, yeah. dirty bulk. Um, but yeah, if you were going to go from 2,000 into like a surplus, for example, it isn't actually that much that you need to include. And like you said, you would keep your diet relatively similar, but look to add the small things in mm-hmm. that would help. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with all that. I think the structure of your diet is important as well. Trying to, you know, um, create some kind of free meals to snacks and have a familiar eating time where you are eating and then just add to those meals 
look at portion sizes, um, include foods you enjoy. Um, that's going to help. Yeah. Liquids, obviously, drinking calories when trying to increase the calorie consumption is going to be easier. Yeah, get the bin tangs down you. Um, and then looking at, obviously, things that are more calorie-dense, higher fats, but obviously keeping the quality of the diet you know, in, in the corner of your mind as well to not stray too far away from, you know, not really getting a full nutritious diet. But yeah, I think that's nailed it really. Yeah. Cool. Last one. Last um, one. This one was on my group call last night, but I said, instead of answering it there, we'll answer it today. Um, so it's about if you've done a workout and you want to get some process, this ties back to the last one. Um, would you go over your calories to fit protein in, to hit your protein intake. And I mentioned it briefly that obviously in a fat loss diet, the first thing you want to focus on is calories. Under that would be protein, but just your two thoughts on would you prioritize protein and go over your calories? Love this question. Let's go. <laughs> um, I would reframe the question. It's not that the protein is taking you over your calories, it's your carbohydrates and fat intake would be taking mm -hmm. you over the calories. So it would be a portion control around your carbs and the fats for the rest of the yeah. day. I think but, I think it was like at the end of the day, like if you've done a workout in the evening, you haven't got much left and you want to hit your protein and say you can get some protein in after your workout, would you go over your calories to, to do that? Yeah, but the, why is the protein? So let's say you have that protein and it takes yeah. you 100 calories over yeah. for the day, but that's made sure you've hit your protein target. Then it's not the fats that you hit your protein target that made you go over your calories. It's the, the carbohydrates and the fats yeah, and the way you've managed it earlier yeah. on in the day. Yeah, yeah. but if you are in that position, for me, if the goal is fat loss, I wouldn't go over your calories. Yeah. I think the odd day, we get too robotic. The odd day where you're slightly under on your protein, it's, you know, one day of uh, sun doesn't make a summer. You can, you can get back to it tomorrow and make sure yeah. you, you get enough protein or maybe even a little extra protein the next day. We get too rigid on macros and, and... You don't want to be too fixed on numbers to... Like, say, for instance, if that was to take you, I don't know, if it was going to take you 40 calories over. Yeah. 40 calories yeah. is so little. Like, what's a protein shake? A protein shake is, what, 100 calories? Yeah. So yeah, if exactly. it's to take you over, whether it's the protein number or the calorie number... Don't let it be too consuming. Yeah. And like a lot of people having weekly calorie targets. Obviously yeah, averages to suit that. 100%, yeah. yeah. And and you can also remember that if you choose the option with the protein and you go over your calories, there's always tomorrow. Pull it back tomorrow. Nice camera. Yeah, no camera. <laughs> I've done it about 15 times during this. He's waiting for the content to come from it. People are so rigid. You've got tomorrow, you've got the next day. If you go 100 or 200 over, go 200 less the next day. It's, it's, yeah. There's flexibility within dieting and, and the rigidity is why people get really scared of food choices and oh, I was slightly over on my, on my fats and yeah. it's okay. Just, it's, it becomes uh, like a military operation and there just should be a lot. What's going on? Just a gecko eating the flag. He's yeah. actually done it over this time. <laughs> He proper <laughs> took a mouthful of it. Um, so, yeah, my advice would be don't sweat it if you do fancy some protein after your workout and it goes over your calories. 
pull it back the next day. Yeah. It's, yeah. Really, it's easily managed. It doesn't have to be uh, a life or death situation. But then again, if you don't get the protein, that's okay too. You can have some more protein the next day. Yeah. There's always ways of pulling it back and pushing it forward. Yeah, And I think that question comes from a, a place of, like you said, worrying about numbers all the time. Mm-hmm. And when you take that away and understand that you can go over this or be under that slightly, you stop worrying and stop stressing out about it. And it would happen a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Calorie ranges are great. I love working within calorie ranges. Have a 300, 400, say, I don't know, 1800 to 2200. Work within yeah, that. that yeah. mm-hmm. it, it, it can, if, you, if you're worried about numbers, that would be a place to start because all of a sudden, instead of hitting one single number, you, you're just giving yourself 400 different numbers that mm-hmm. mean hitting the same yeah. target. And I imagine yeah. if, if you're a client of Tom's, then he set you an adequate protein target that is probably slightly more or at least, you know, in a very good position for protein. Mm. If you're a bit underneath that, you're not going to be in a yeah. scary... Nothing bad's going to happen. Yeah, nothing bad's going to happen. So, um, yeah, I think it can sometimes just be a little bit overthought. The light's going out again. Uh, that's my laptop. I apologise to everyone. That's right. That's, that's, um, yeah, that's yeah. everyone's questions, isn't it? That's good. Yeah, yeah. that's it. So, both of you have actually been on before. This is your second appearance, isn't it? Yeah. For both. Well, tell them what we're going to do now. What are going to do Tell them what we're going to do after this. I don't know. It's pizza, isn't it? Oh, and Chris, Christmas film, I was going to say. But, <laughs> um, I dropped us in it. Pizza and Christmas film. Balance. So, who's going first to tell you? Instagram. James, you go. Yeah, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's jt.health. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Mine is Tom Hole PT. Um, again, that's it. And I'm that ginger guy. <laughs> everyone knows that mate. Um, right people thank you very much for listening if you enjoyed it I mean, even if you didn't enjoy it it would really help if you leave a review um, but tag us on Instagram share the podcast tell everybody you've ever met about it um, and yeah go and follow all of us thank you for your questions guys cheers